Welcome to the Power Up Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Scullion. Join me for some powerful conversations with members of the Substation Design Solutions Industry Consortium, the SDSIC. I'll chat with members about the consortium, innovations, how they're implementing different technologies, even some of the projects they're working on to address the growing needs of our power grid. My guest today is Jack Hobson, Technical Solutions Executive for the Utilities Industry at Autodesk. Jack is the key Autodesk contact for the SDSIC and provides a great deal of support to our community, and we're really glad to have him. Listen in as we talk about Jack's career, including the work he did creating a college-level CAD curriculum program, some of his work at Ameren, and what he's doing now at Autodesk. We even dive into the future potential of AI. Jack, I finally got you on. Uh, so thanks thanks for joining, buddy. It's been a while. I've been wanting to get you on and appreciate the time. Forever. How you been, man? Oh, man, I'm good. Nashville was a whirlwind. It took a while to catch up, and I really wanted to catch you in, in Nashville and kind of do this podcast there, but I uh, ran out of time. Oh, it's, you know, it's you kind of hit the ground running, right? Particularly you. I mean, it's, <laughs> you, oh, you know, great. so yeah. Yeah, no, understandable. No, it was a great event, man. It was, uh, yeah, super busy. I mean, same for you. I saw so many people grabbing you in the hallways and stuff. I thought, yeah, there's no way I'm going to get him in a room to do a podcast in that. No, no, Trevor. And <laughs> be honest with you, I really wasn't sure how serious you were about this. But when I started listening to some of them and I realized your intro music had, had chipmunks in the background, I said, well, this is legit. Like, this is a real podcast. <laughs> That's this how I it, judge man. my podcast, right? If you have chipmunks singing in the background on the intro music, I know this is a serious thing. <laughs> now it's real. Now it's, it's real. It's real. <laughs> well, man, I'm so glad you get on, buddy, because, uh, you know, there's lots of new members. Uh, as we know, the, it's been growing like crazy with so many new people. It's so important for folks to get to know uh, people like yourself that have been involved so long and, uh, you know, being our key point of contact within Autodesk. Uh, really just let's start things off, man. Walk us through maybe some of your background and career. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's always kind of interesting. Like, what would people find interesting? I guess, uh, you know, I'll start from the beginning. I I really went into college um, really just to get a computer-aided design degree. Now, mm. now, what's humorous is, is that's not generally what I wanted to do even though I had a lot of exposure, um, you know, you and I've talked on the side, just, you know, I, I, my family just didn't have a whole lot of money, you know? Um, so like the options were just limited, uh, in my head, I thought I, I was, uh, you know, I was big in the theater in the high school actually. And I thought that's probably what I wanted to do. I thought I'd, you know, go to a conservatory somewhere and, you know, yeah. s study acting and, and presentations and performance and, when I was in high school, if I wasn't on the stage uh, doing an acting gig, I was helping in some capacity with stage design. Okay. Um, that that really was my my first, um, probably I would say my first introduction with what AutoCAD really was. Oh. Um, wow. Because yeah, they really they did the drawings of the stage in AutoCAD. I had a buddy of mine. Uh, he used he used R fourteen. <laughs> You remember R14 back in the day? Uh, everyone always has that old AutoCAD joke when I used yeah. R1 or whatever. But yes, yeah. yeah, so that was, that was I would say that was my first exposure to it. Um, and I, I was familiar with what it did because my my mom, 
in, in my youth worked for my aunt and uncle who ran an art studio and, uh, you know, just like anybody who owns company, like you got to keep the lights on. Right. So some of the stuff they did was technical drawing actually. So my mom used to draw out a lot of architectural floor plans and, oh, and things like that. Yeah. So I go to the office and I'd see her draw out, you know, these floor plans and my aunt and uncle would give me a pencil set and I would draw. So I had some understanding about what it was. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of like where I, where I related to having the experience of what drawing something was drawing a technical illustration was. So when it came time for me to figure out what I was going to do after high school, you know, my mom's like, Hey, we just don't have any money. Like you're going to have to figure something out. Um, so really my, my brain was in the mode of, I got to get a job where I can make money. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really what it was. It's nothing more profound than that. It's and funny how poverty drives us into that. <laughs> boy, does it. Boy, does it. Man. And uh, so I started shopping at basically what they would say are trade schools. Um, and I came across this computer aided design program. And I'm a, I, and I saw AutoCAD. I'm like, I know what that is. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I saw that they were drawing floor plans. This particular program had, you know, mechanical uh, training, architectural training, civil training. Um, and I thought I could do this. So I, you know, started kind of looking at what I could make, <laughs> you know, as, yeah. as a CAD technician. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it w- jumping through hoops to try to get the money to do it was painstaking. Um, won't even go down that road. Anyway, long story short, I got into the door. Okay. Um, and, and I bring that up, Trevor, again, because like you and I know, you know, because everyone talks about college like it's just this so easy attainable thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just go to school, pick your university. <laughs> For folks who don't have money, that's hard. That is hard. Right. Um, and, you know, trying to try to dig up resources, grants or whatever I could do to get in there. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, I was able to actually go get, you know, an education. Awesome. And I. I got really, yeah, I got really lucky. Um, I was not maybe halfway through that program when uh, a company, they're still in business, uh, it's called Charter Communications. So they're basically what we kind of known as the old cable company. But at the time they were going into internet and telephony and their mapping GIS group was actually looking for a CAD technician. Um, so I had applied for it and I just happened to know a couple of buddies that were technicians there and, um, you know, just kind of had them plugging for me, God love them. And so they, they would go to the design office and say, Hey, like this guy, Jack, like he's a friend of mine, you know, Hmm. should really interview him. And so I got the interview and I went in for the interview and I, obviously I did well, I got the job, um, and the, the gentleman that hired me, sir, I just want to shout out to him because, man, he really just he opened the doors for this this journey. And his name's Larry Safir. Um, Larry hired me. He gave me a chance. Trip. I was like 18, 19 years old. I mean, I was young oh, nice. to go working for a Fortune 500 company. Nice. Yeah. And so that's where I began my career was uh, doing mapping, doing distribution mapping for telecommunications. Um, and I did that for about three years, oh, uh, until, okay. until they laid me off. <laughs> no. <laughs> nice. What happened was, uh, you know, a, a bunch of execs were fudging numbers, uh, you know, for their earnings results call and they got Ooh. caught. Ooh. 
So yeah, so the company went through some, you know, hard times. And so they were just, you know, letting people go where they, where they could. So I was just, I was on the list, but it's, it's one of those things, man, you know, I probably would have still been working there today had that not happened. I really love that Mm -hmm. job. Um, I love that industry and, but you know, good things can come of bad things. Sure. Yeah. And it's all in perspective. I didn't think of that way at the time. Uh, thought my world was ending. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was out of work for, I don't know, about eight or nine months. And then a company called, um, Lightcore, which is a division of a, another company called CenturyTel, uh, was looking for somebody who had telecommunication experience to come in and basically design out fiber optic pop sites throughout the Midwest that they had purchased through acquisition. Wow. And uh, so I started working there. That was a funny deal because I didn't really want that job. Um, <laughs> they had some really stringent work policies, man, and it just didn't jive with 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 my my attitude towards things. So I really was I really was cavalier during that interview. But boy, man, I got a call back like two hours later. Yeah, can you start Monday? <laughs> oh man, All right. you say that right? Best time to look for a job is when you don't want one or need one. <laughs> yeah, I know. No right? stress. Oh man. So yeah, I, I worked there not for very long. I just, it, yeah, that company culture just didn't gel with me. Um, and what happened interestingly enough was, um, the school that I had gotten my associate's degree from, uh, was hiring a, uh, an associates of instructor position to teach their, uh, associate of occupational studies program. So basically what that included at the time was um, AutoCAD 3D, uh, advanced AutoCAD list routines, and at the time they had uh, intro to MicroStation. Wow. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. So another mentor of mine by the name of Andy Andrews, who was the director of the program at Batterat, I, I sent the resume, I reached out to him. He's yeah. like, yeah, come in, come in and interview uh, next week. Um, so I interviewed, I kind of did a mock, uh, teaching presentation thing. Right. And, um, I got that position. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was at the time, the, uh, associate's degree instructor for advanced AutoCAD principles, 3d design and intro microstation. Wow. So what version of AutoCAD was it by then? By then they were using, uh, 2002, I think 2003. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, you know, I can remember being in school and I started on R14 and went to 2000. And boy, that was particularly with 3D design, that was a huge shift. Uh, and just, yeah. you know, being able to design in 3D, if you remember. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so one in teaching and boy, the schedule was hard hmm. to, to tell people they wouldn't think about it that way. But I had to teach morning class, evening class at each five hours a piece. Wow. I got the I got the afternoons off and um I was off every Friday, so that was nice. So did you have but, to build a curriculum for this? Yeah. yeah well wow. <laughs> oh, so it, it, Trevor, they had curriculum, but it really needed to be updated. Um mm-hmm. so that was a large part of what I did. And and while I was there, uh, the the company that was hiring for microstation jobs at the time uh had scaled back dramatically. And really, there was only three industries uh, in St. Louis really using MicroStation, and they weren't hiring. Um, So I started kind of looking forward, like maybe this is, you know, something we should probably replace a a more relevant solution for. 
And at the time, indenture was starting to become uh, very relevant in the mid 2000s um, as Autodesk built it and released it. And we had a couple manufacturing companies starting to use it. So, yeah, I built an inventor curriculum from the ground up. Um, wow. And now in those years, you're talking like you had to have books. Like, I mean, you had to print this stuff out, no? You're right. I mean, I literally had to, <laughs> because it is, it's a different way of thinking from AutoCAD because it's a parametric modeler. Sure. So I had to teach myself, you know, the the dynamics of parametric design. But you're right. Like I bought the book and I went through it myself every chapter as if I was in school again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, we forget, right? Everything's online now. You can look at videos and everything. But man, back in the day, it was like, gosh, you had to have a book on the desk. You had to have the book. <laughs> right. Man. And and you know, AutoCAD's a really good foundation for software learning, I I feel anyway. Like if you can learn AutoCAD, uh, if for me anyway, maybe not everyone else, but it certainly paved the way for me to understand how to learn other softwares. Right. Uh, and maybe the truth, truth is for other softwares as well. Like maybe if you learn Adobe, that helps you really learn other softwares. But yeah, I would impress that upon anybody. If you can really learn one software really, really well, I think that will help you learn other softwares. Uh, particularly nowadays, the GUIs are all kind of the same, right? Like ribbon structures. Right, right. You just think of like, I mean, I remember like coding things. Like if you wanted to code something and you're learning from a book, I mean, you typed every line. Like there was no cut and paste back then. Really, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to build anything for you. Yeah. <laughs> no wizards. No. Especially in the CAD world, right? I mean, it was not, if you were, you know, doing Linux or something, you could get a lot of code. You could find a lot of things in C++. But man, if you're doing Autolisp and AutoCAD, I mean, what was the, what was the CAD magazine? Catalyst, something like that. It was Catalyst. Wasn't August there back in the day? August, but yeah. I mean, you get the magazine and you basically open the page and like retype the Lisp command. (laughs) Oh man, like you know, I mean, I taught Lisp routine classes. I, I, you know, I, I did it. Um, it's just not my joy. I, I, I would actually just build dumb menus, like, you know, give me a raise and the drop down menu or yeah. <laughs> execute drawing. That was the stupid stuff I did. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I taught the serious stuff, but if I built something for my own, it was just, you know, stupid stuff. Yeah. Great way to learn though. A lot of those goofy programs, right? I mean, I used to have a, I built a couple of list programs. It was like, you can get a nut and bolt and they would go around like an arcade game and shoot at each other. Right. <laughs> It's good practice. Yeah, it is. It's such that's great advice, Trevor. You know, do something that's not constructive. You know, is an amazing way to learn new things. So it really is. Yeah, there you go. I mean, we joke, but seriously, to anyone out there, man, just do stuff that doesn't make sense that'll entertain you. You'll be surprised what you can take out and take away from it. Yeah, there you go. Yep, great advice. Yeah, but so right. So I built this inventor program uh from from scratch i had to learn it myself and um you know it was it was a successful piece and while i was there because this is the funny part of the story people just get a kick out of this if i'm if i'm talking about this period of my life but i I would go home in the afternoons uh between classes and (laughs) reruns of dallas was on cable tv (laughs) And I got wrapped up in it, man. I mean, I, I did. <laughs> Couldn't put it away. I, I What's interesting is while it was a soap opera, it, it was heavily orchestrated on business. 
Right. <laughs> uh, you know, the oil industry, I mean, half of it was drama and, the, you know, people having fights at home. But the other half of it was, you know, how do we keep pumping old more oil? How do we make more money? How do we save the business? You know, yeah. uh, and, and, and it really kind of struck me in a, in a weird way um, mm-hmm. as I got wrapped into it. And my my previous uh, boss at Charter, again, Larry, um, I maintained a friendship with him even to this day. Oh, wow. 23 years later. Yeah. Uh, Um, him and I were having lunch one day and he's like, Hey, you know, why haven't you, why haven't you want and gotten like a bachelor's or a master's or something? And it came back to that whole thing, money, right? Like education's expensive. And I said, I said, I said, man, Larry, I just don't know, man. Like that, that's expensive. That's time. I'm working full time. Um, I did the work full time school, full time thing. It's hard. And he's like, yeah, he goes, man, but I see so much potential in you. He goes, and I just think if you just kind of had that in your bag, like it would benefit you. Like, you, you know, I, you'll figure the money thing out later. Like you're a smart guy. Um, he goes, but man, figure that out. And, you know, there's, there, you'll never have a higher energy <laughs> than in your twenties to pull this off. Right. Like you try to do this later. Yeah, he's like, you can do it later. He goes, but man, in your twenties, like you could you could run on empty a little bit longer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That's great <laughs> advice, right? For uh, for all the younger uh, members listening, man, that is great advice. Yeah, and um, I started reading a lot of like business books from from you know a lot of different perspectives, and so I said I'm going to do it. So yeah, I went and I, I got a bachelor's uh, degree with a operation focus and uh, with a focus in operations and okay. uh, decided to just haul through an MBA too. So I finished an MBA and yeah, uh, gosh, it was a hard two and a half, three years. I, I was on an accelerated course. So I would, I would teach class in the morning. I would go to class, go to class in the afternoon and then I yeah. go teach class in the evening um, and then Saturdays was like my tightening up days of all my work assignments. Wow. No more time for Dallas. No, there really wasn't. No, no. <laughs> Dallas got put on all, but I did find out who shot Jr. though. So, you know, I was good. <laughs> Tell me this is one of the Simpsons or something. Was... <laughs> right. Oh man. Oh, that's so, awesome. yeah. So I got the MBA done and shortly after that, um, the, the program, uh, the CAD program at the college I was teaching at, uh, the numbers were dwindling for a few reasons, not because of the quality of the instructors, uh, but they didn't want to infuse any money into it. They had no direction. Uh, the program director that had been there had left and they were kind of, it was going rudderless for a while. Okay. So I basically, they, they approached me and I said, look, uh, if we do this, you know, I'm doing it my way. And he, and here's what my way looks like. I'm going to retrain all the admissions staff. Um, I'm going to go through, I'm going to repaint all the classrooms like this dull, you know, 1980s cream beige color. I hate it. <laughs> We're going to put some color on the walls. Nice. Um, I want to budget for new computers, a new plotter. We're going to remake the whole image of this thing. And my goal, Trevor, was to make us the fun program. Nice. And we were fun, but like we needed to market it that way. Like, yeah, you could go into IT you can go into hardware, whatever other programs they had at the time. But man, when you passed the fishbowl window to our program, 
I had 3D models rotating on uh, on computers. Like, ah, oh, man, I mean, we we did it up nice. And and the instructors that were under me at the time, I mean, man, I really drugged them through the muck on that. Uh, they're like, you want to paint everything and we're going to do it ourselves. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like we didn't have money to hire people to do this, man. Um, oh gosh. Awesome. Yeah. And, and Trevor, we, within 12 months, uh, and again, everything comes down to the people who support you as well. Like, even though the ideas were on the top of my head, it takes supporting people to execute it. Right. And we were able to increase revenue, um, by 120% within 12 months. Nice. So we more than doubled the student count. And then of course that in- increased profits and man, we were doing good. Mm. And I, I went to them and I said, Hey, like, you know, here's the results. Here's what we're doing. Just from some of the bare bones changes we made, yeah. like give me 10% of the profits, right? Just give it, give me a fraction of the, the profit you made. And they looked at me and they said, nah, we feel like you're doing great with what you have. Uh, so many good programs end that way. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. Um, and, and at the time, at the time I was really burnt out. Um, sure. I, I had just finished going to school full time, working full time. I had burnt, I had burnt the candle to the end. Uh, and my attitude was certainly showing towards it. Like I was, I was quick to fire away at things and, right. uh, you know, I just kind of hit that point where, and you know, this is where it's good to have people close to you that know you. And this is where it's hard to find real friendship, right? Because to hold you kind of accountable uh, is hard for friends to do because everyone just wants to get together for a good time, right? Yeah. Uh, but I just had some buddies that are like, man, you're just not the Jack we know, you know? Um, you're just, you're quick to criticize. You're just in hate mode all the time. Wow. And we don't know what's going on with you, man. But like, you, you, you know, you got to make a change somewhere. And I knew it had everything to do with, with that gig. Um, yeah, wow. It was just deteriorating. Uh, How long so, did you do that for? Four years. Oh, wow. That yeah, I mean, <laughs> four years, and it ate up my 20s, man, because I couldn't go out with friends in the evening because I was yeah. working. Uh, my social life got kaput. I mean, again, that all that social um, separation takes its toll as well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think we all learned that during the pandemic, right? Man. Yeah, absolutely. So you know what, man? I literally, the next morning, wrote my resignation. And I walked into the director of education and said, I'm, you know, I'm going to bow out in a couple of weeks. Nice. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, where are you going? I'm like, I'm just going to take a sabbatical. Uh, <laughs> now back then sabbaticals sounded radical. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, just some career killing move or something. Yeah. Um, today it's, it's a norm in a lot of organizations. But back then, he just looked at me. He's like, are you, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, man. Like, I just need to take a little time for myself. And that's yeah. what I'm going to do. Wow. Uh, no, they think, dude, 20 years ago, like, you, I mean, you could work like three years in a row. And if you took like a Friday afternoon off and went to see one of your relatives, they'd be like, what, you don't have a job? Yeah. What are you doing on a Friday afternoon? <laughs> Let me, yeah. Sabbaticals. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, crazy radical thinking at the time for them. Like, they just... And then they're like, well, could you stay on till we find somebody else? I'm like, I have nothing left. No. Um, So I, yeah, I was like, I'm taking, I I decided I was taking six months off. Um, And man, oh man, I'm glad I did. I mean, I don't, I don't know what would have happened to me had I not taken that time for myself. Yeah. In all your twenties, man. Yeah. I mean, I did. How, oh gosh, how old was I when I, I was 28. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I took six months off and went down to my parents, uh, houseboat, spent some time down there. Um, you know, just kind of, you know, explored what I wanted to do. I read some books, uh, and decided I was going to get back into the game. And Trevor, be honest with you, I was going to take my MBA and go do something completely different. I was going to be done with the design business. Hmm. Um, I was just going to go on a whole new venture and an interesting thing happened, uh, company by the name of Ameren here in St. Louis, Missouri, where I live. Right. Uh, they were looking for a design supervisor, mostly with business acumen. Uh, but, you know, if you had some understanding of design, like that was important as well. Uh, and I could do both pretty well. Like, you know, I had business acumen, you know, I, I could still design, you know. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go interview with this. And it was a utility, right? Like I, I had utility experience, at least with telecommunications, you know, yeah. maybe not power delivery. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Hmm. See, it wasn't MicroStation, was it? Yeah. It was all MicroStation. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. They were a, a full MicroStation house. Uh, all right. So yeah, I went and interviewed for it. And, uh, Don Sanders, who's also an SDSIC member, he, uh, is the manager of design for the image transmission group. Now, back then it was architected a little bit different with the subsidiaries, but okay. uh, he was, he was interviewing for the position and, um, you know, I went in the interview, obviously it, it went well, uh, but to, you know, again, just another shout out to somebody who just kind of helps you along the way, Don Sanders. I mean, he took a chance on me. It, it's not, I, I, and maybe he would argue this with me. I don't know that it's in Don's nature particularly back then to have hired somebody that was kind of maybe out of the loop for any duration of time. Mm. Um, mm. That, that might've made him maybe a little bit nervous, but you know, I obviously what I said in that room, you know, had an impact. Uh, he, yeah. he took a chance on his own reservations, I would say. Mm. Uh, and, and he hired me. Yeah. Wow. Big shout out to Don. Yeah. And went to work with Don and, you know, Kind of the old saying is, you know, a lot of people say you don't quit organizations, you know, you quit managers. Yeah. Uh, Don's one of those guys, man. Like you could probably work for him forever. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a great you know, man. Yeah. He's pretty easy to get along with, boy. He is. And, you know, he, he lets you debate, you know, he lets you argue a little bit. Um, he encourages you. He just kind of let me run amok. So we worked out great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's got a great management style for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I learned a lot from him through the years. I worked for him, yeah, for, gosh, uh, a solid five years before they split the orgs. Um, but oh. during that, yeah, during that time, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm blowing through your questions, maybe. <laughs> no, no, that's good. No. <laughs> no, just keep it rolling, man. I'm, I'm just yakking away here. So just, yeah, sorry. Uh -huh. Um but no, no, so, you're right on track, man. I love okay. it. <laughs> so right around that time when I got hired, Don was like, Hey, you know, you have a lot of 3d experience, you know, is this something we should be looking at really? Like, you know, should we be exploring this? And then I had obviously done a lot of 3d and AutoCAD. I did inventor. Um, and in, in 2010, 11, when I got, you know, a couple of years after I got hired, they're just, you could do 3d for sure. It's just the amount of work without some intelligent tool sets, just the reward wasn't quite worth it. Um, mm -hmm. in my so opinion. was he exploring 3d for basically all the utility designs or was it just for substation? at the time, just at the time, just substation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it was pretty well isolated to just substation. 
And um, okay. so, yeah, you know, we uh, I, I looked at it and I said, I, I think one day, yes. Um, I said, it just it just seems like with how intricate a substation can be in design, trying to do that, you know, a microstation or AutoCAD, like I just think the, the work is not worth the reward at the end of it. And of course, you know, it's again, we talk about that, you know, the ladder of BIM, right? Like it was just a 3D model. It had nothing attached to it. There's no, yeah. nothing intelligent about it. Right. It was, yeah, it was just a model. And even then trying to print 2D sheet sets from like mm-hmm. AutoCAD or MicroStation was a little bit painstaking back in the day. Yeah, like five times the work to build a 3D model and very limited return on materials or anything, right? Yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, we kind of put a pause button on it. We worked on... You know, trying to really streamline document management and those types of things. Uh, you know, I was a big proponent for making sure we had like really good hardware. You know, I was not one of those people who would skimp on hardware and those types of things. Uh, yeah, right. And I don't ever want to short end a designer with limited limited solutions or tools, <laughs> uh, if I can help it anyway. But yeah, so right. so fast forward, you know, twenty twelve. Um, we start kind of exploring what 3D substation could be. You had your product through Automation Force. Um, there was the Bentley substation product out there. Right. And so we started exploring uh, we started exploring all solutions, right? Anytime you kind of make that next jump to, you know, the next paradigm shift and however you're doing whatever you are today, uh, you 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 should explore the landscape. Mm-hmm. And um you know, and that was the early days, I think, when you and I started started talking. I can't specifically remember, Trevor, when we first met, but I do remember, and I, I don't know if you remember this, but we were supposed to have you down to St. Louis. I think it was you and Steve Kaufman to do a workshop for SDS. Mm. And you guys got snowed in or some crazy snowstorm came through oh, Toronto. Wow. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to do it online at the last minute. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. You got a great memory. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. That that I think was the first time you and I interacted on the phone. Oh yeah, it's got so that's gonna be like, I don't know, twenty fourteen or fifteen, something like that. Yeah, probably even slightly earlier than that. Yeah. But I wow. so that was the first time I can remember meeting you, you know, virtually anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so you know, we did your workshop with you know, we did the other solutions workshop. Um and I started looking at negotiating what a pilot would look like. And, you know, you know, being in the position I am now, like, you know, at the time it was just Autodesk offered a better, better price, a better architecture of, you know, an end product within a certain time frame. It was just a better contract. Okay. Uh, and it was a contract that was architected in such a way where we could try it. And if it didn't work, it was easy to walk away from it. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you remember, I was really kind of insistent on that. Um, and, and so at that time, that's when I think I, st- I started going to AU, um, and kind of just sitting in the audience, like a lot of, you know, people are probably just getting involved with SDSIC do now, or if they go to AU, they do now. Right. Um, but as I was building this, I had decided, I said, you know, I don't want to like implement this, right? Like I want to do a pilot project and I want to bring the, the right people in. Um, meaning meaning uh, people that would help make it a success or be honest with me if it wasn't going to work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I picked uh, two gentlemen uh, that one I had on it full time. The other was kind of quasi part time. 
Okay. Uh, but they had a lot of substation experience. The one had a lot of 3D experience. He actually taught part-time uh, AutoCAD stuff as well. Okay. So, yeah, I put that team together. But, man, it was hard, Trevor, because I took him off project work for like six months. Yeah, see, that's what happens so often, right? Very hard to do. Well, we're not talking about, like, you know, Microsoft Office updates you can learn on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. You know, yeah. and at the and at the time, like... You know, I could probably talk about this now. Most most of the people, most of the people that would hate me saying this are retired. But uh, you know, the company at the time, <laughs> they were they were really touting innovation, right? Um, it's it's a word that had been around tech industry forever. But you know, all of a sudden, utility stamping. We need to be an innovative utility. Hmm. So it's easy to put a poster on the wall that says innovation to actually encourage your you know <laughs> staff and people to think that way is a whole different story yeah there you go mm-hmm. and so i i proposed this i said i want to do this thing and boy they just you're going to take somebody off a of project work for six months i'm like well you're already contracting 35 jobs out what's three more <laughs> yeah to yeah. prove this out yeah, and there you go. and you know and i said look i said you we were in a meeting last week where you want innovative ideas brought to you and, and trying to do innovative things. And one, like I can tell you, BIM works in architecture. They've been doing it for years. Like I know this will work for utilities, <laughs> you know, and, and we have specialized tool sets now that attach themselves to this great platform. And, you know, I'm telling you, you're going to be happy with what you see. There you go. And it, you know, took some fighting, but they eventually relented. And so we started our pilot worked with Steve Kaufman, you know, we had a meeting with him once a week as we were building this thing out yeah. and long story short. Um, yeah, we got the, uh, you know, we got, we got the, we got the project done. Um, uh, but I remember during... your, dude, I remember your pilot just being one of the easier ones, I guess, from uh, just this right. streamlined approach and having the dedicated people, because I know for Steve well, and Nate Holt, I mean, part of the issues are that they do all the training they do the work, they do the sessions, and then uh, you know a lot of folks get called back into project work, and you lose all of that momentum. And basically, three weeks later, they got to reteach <laughs> the same stuff again. Yeah, and you know, and that's I think that's the first time you and I had some really good interactions when you know you guys came down, um, you know, to to kick that pilot off with us. And you know, before before we get into that, Trevor, just so I don't forget, just I got another another shout out to some some close friends of both of ours when I was getting started with this, um, you know, I was never sure you're doing the right thing, particularly what it is a quote unquote innovative kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously like, you know, Duke was doing some stuff, Southern company, but not many people ahead of us. Right. Uh, so I managed to get Arnold Fry's contact information. So uh, for, for folks that don't know Ar- Arnold Fry, uh, works for power engineers at the time he worked for Duke, uh, very instrumental in SDSIC and you kind of get in this community rolling, um, you know? Yeah. But now you get Arnold on a podcast for six months now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, and so I got his contact info and I, uh, I contacted him and Michael goings, uh, as well. Again, another founding member, you know, great privilege to know him. Yeah. Uh, I said, Hey guys, like, you know, you've been doing this. Here's kind of my plan. Here's what I'm mapping out. Do you think I'm doing some of the right things? And they're like, man, we wish we would have did it that way. Um, you know, we tried to like turn the light switch on for everyone on, you know, yeah. day one and, 
Yeah. You know, so, you know, Arnold gave me some, you know, reassurance that my head and thinking of how we were going to, you know, kind of bake this pie mm-hmm. was going to work. Um, and, and so again, just another, you know, another great perspective, you know, from again, within the SDSIC organization. And that's, that's when Arnold told me about SDSIC. Yeah. Well, there you go. So that's just a beautiful lead into, you know, your first exposure to the SDSIC was that, um, but what you're saying is just terrific advice for all the members. You know, if you're just getting started, that is really the way to leverage the SDSIC. It's to have those conversations with other members. You can find out who's done what. And I think it's an attribute to the committee itself, like the community itself, is not a lot of folks are shy about the mistakes or you know, the errors they made trying to deploy or trying to train people. I think it's been pretty open for that. So yeah, yeah great points, man. And, and Great big shout out to Michael Goins and Arnold for sure. Yeah, do it. You know, if you're there, it, and man, I don't know. Like, again, some people have a hard time with me, but make mistakes. You know, just shrug them off. Yep. You know, don't, you know, people beat themselves up like, oh, I made this mistake, or they try to protect the mistake, you know. Just, you know, I got to be careful, Trevor. Like, I don't know if your bleeper's working. You know me, I talk like a sailor. But, um, but you know, if you screw up, you know, just, Hey, yeah, it is what it was. It didn't work. Move on, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, isn't that the general way to get through any kind of technology project? I mean, it should. If, if you're on, if you're pushing any kind of innovation, you know, for sure there's mistakes. I mean, every time I hit the compile button on something, there's a mistake or an error. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just keep going. Keep moving on. Fix it and move. I've just, man, I've, I've watched too many people try to protect the wrong decisions yeah, um, through the years. And man, like, it's just a hole that's harder and harder to dig out of, and yeah. it becomes detrimental to everyone else involved if you just don't chalk it up to being like, "eh, I turned left when I should have turned right." Oh well, yeah. you know, like, uh, and so much more effort than just saying that, yeah, I made a mistake. Yeah, yeah, you know, just you know, take take pride out of the equation. Just hey, man, you know, particularly when you're flying blind with something new, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, but that was that was my first exposure to SDSIC, and then they kept trying to get me to come down there. Uh, and I think the first one I was supposed to be at Trevor was in San Francisco. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And I had, uh, I think it was a family situation come up and I had to cancel it. Mm. Um, so I wasn't able to attend the San Francisco one, but the, the next one was in Birmingham and that was my first in-person, uh, SCSIC event. Oh, okay. Wow. So San Francisco was hosted by Autodesk. So you would have got to see your future employer. That you didn't right. know at, you didn't know at the time, <laughs> but there was yeah there was the uh, the Autodesk Gallery in San Francisco, which is absolutely amazing. You know, they had all this late latest and greatest technology with the robotics, yeah, and printing and everything. Yeah, they got that place is amazing. Yeah, and um, but yes, yeah, so, and I did get to see it later, which which is, it is it's pretty cool. They actually have a yeah, it's actually a free gallery. So if anybody finds themselves in San Francisco and you got an hour to kill, it's certainly a, a, a fun walk through. Um, yeah, that's true. Wow, awesome. Yeah, but um, so yeah, so that was my first in-person engagement where I met John um, and and some other people, uh, some Autodesk people that you know still work here today that I that I met later. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, again, it was it was just good, you know, to kind of be, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, like number three or four utility kind of mm-hmm. jumping into this intelligent design thing. Uh, to, to tell our story and, you know, talk to other people, 
uh, and uh, just listening to just other other people's pain points, whether it had to do with intelligent design or not, like yeah. just in building and getting substations built and energized and maintained and operated and all that stuff. Uh, um, there's a real strength in in knowing that you're not alone, right? Yeah, for for better or worse, <laughs> even if there's five of you making the same types of mistakes or gone through similar issues, at least you're not alone. Right, and you know, and the the work that you know, these folks are doing, uh, in utilities in general, even outside substation distribution generation, you know, the, the, the work these designers are doing is just so important. And I don't know that they know that. I mean, nothing, I always, I use this tagline when I present nothing against people who design sneakers or tennis shoes, but like if tennis shoes disappeared tomorrow, it would not have a large impact on my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, electricity disappears, gas disappears, <laughs> You know, that's a major impact, right? Like how often does your power go out and you go to flip the switch 20 minutes later and you're like, oh, duh, the power's out. Yeah. Uh, It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing how it impacts everything that we do. Absolutely. And so I tell people, I'm like, just remember the work you do. And it's just, it is really important. It may not feel that way, but my gosh, with the infrastructure, you know, needing updating the way it is, Mm. uh, you know, trying to implement this new technology. It is, it's just so important to what those folks do behind the screen every day when they're designing this stuff out. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You think like, I mean, we keep saying this, but uh, you know, you think of like 10 devices you wouldn't plug in 10 years ago, you know, yeah. 15 years ago. You know, I mean, it's just, there's so many things we keep using <laughs> the electrical grid. We keep charging things and it's getting crazy. And now to the automotive industry, I mean, it's getting absolutely nuts. Everything's plugged in. So yeah. It's yeah. I mean, much critical work. Well, yeah. I mean, I think General Motors is talking about like 90% of their you know fleet or maybe 100% by 2035 is going to be electric. Yeah. You know, like I think about the load on the grid on that. I'm like, I, I don't know that we, we can support that with what we have today. Yeah. Well, you pull up those like brownfield drawings, right? You look right. at a station in New York City or something that's like from 1942 or something. Yeah. Been upgraded a million times, lots of fixes. I mean, geez, it's just, yeah, we're, we're on the brink. Right. Yeah. And so, man, like, yeah, anybody who might be listening, you know, thus far, I mean, the important, the work you're doing is really important. Try to, try to always remember that. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so that was, that was the, that was the first exposure to SDSIC. And then it was in Kansas City. Um, and that's right when SBS, uh, you know, took over the development of the tool sets for automated utility design and substation design suite. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then we hosted in St. Louis that yeah. time around. That's right. Yeah. You were a big driver in getting the hammer into host us there in St. Louis too. Yeah. And, you know, again, another shout out to Don Sanders. He, he was really helpful and instrumental in, in getting that together as well. Um, you know, kind of yeah. a pipe, uh, you know, this thought I had and, you know, I'm kind of talking about the hurdles and he's like, oh, we'll plow through those hurdles, you know, <laughs> we, we'll, you and I will get it done, you know. Um, Don, Don's great, man. He with you guys are such good hosts in that. It was an amazing event there. Uh, yeah, everyone's kind of got their favorite. And of course, I'm I'm slightly biased to that. And there's <laughs> been so many fun ones, but. You know, we, I tried to rack up one event after another, man. So that was just kind of like nonstop for three, four straight days. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was too. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, I, we could have a whole other conversation about the midnight antics of. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't, can't talk about the cigar bar. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's what I was referring to that, that night. Uh, 
uh, you know, David Milk's got the shuttle from the hotel to take us wherever we Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was a great event, man. It's, it's really good memories. And I think for, you know, the community part, getting to know people, that's really getting to know them at those nighttime events. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, I, I you know, I know some, you know, there's some people that are, you know, maybe not big into networking in the evening, you know, for, for all their own right reasons. But it is it is a really good way to just ingest, and digest information and just getting to know people. And um, yeah, I mean, and again, some of the best conversations that, some of the best ideas I have or have had to come from those things, right? <laughs> well, it's true, I mean, right? You get yeah. kind of just free-flowing ideas, right? I mean, just uh, kind of in a natural, relaxing setting and just throwing out ideas. And, you know, it, it does lead to a lot of great things. I would love to see somebody run a statistic on, you know, where some of the best ideas have been conjured up from. Something tells me, <laughs> you know, Disney World's probably not one of them. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, bar is probably up there. Probably. Well, you remember that evening, you and I uh, at AU. Uh, I I caught you at like eleven thirty at night. I was trucking my way back to the room, and you waved at me, and I'm like, "Oh, it's Trevor." And you and I sat there for four hours just oh talking about the talking about the what ifs <laughs> until the yeah. sun came up. Absolutely. You know, yeah, and it, it's uh, I mean, the very nature of the SDSIC, right? The whole idea started from just a casual conversation in a bar. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, that's like you're, all the ideas come out of there and it's just, I think it's just a casual, you know, relaxed environment lets the, lets the ideas throw. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I, I love bars and cigar bars, but if, you know, if you, if getting together at coffee houses is your thing back before I drank, I actually did a lot of that. Like yeah. me and my friends went to coffee houses cause we just didn't have any money and like we could afford it. You know, back then, a dollar fifty coffee or whatever it was. Ah, oh, for sure. My first startup company, man. That's all we could do, right? You just yeah. kind of worked from home, and you know, communication wasn't what it is now. So we'd go get together at a coffee shop with laptops and sit there yeah. for hours, right? Keep refilling the coffee, much to the chagrin of the owner. But <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, it's well, a startup. <laughs> yeah, and and luckily, the coffee place we went to back in the day, they they had an unlimited cup option. But boy, I'm sure we tested that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You've been here for four hours. <laughs> yeah. You know what though, Trevor? I mean, it was, I learned a lot from those days because we used to have, uh, it was a, it was a, it was a bookstore in St. Louis that was called Stacks Cafe. Oh. And it was like borders on steroids. It had, it had like five levels of books and magazines. Um, and I would just go there and drink coffee even by myself and just, you know, take one magazine after another and read through all these tech magazines. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, that, those were the options back then, right? I mean. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do to find the information back then was not like it is today. For sure. Yeah, it isn't. And, you know, like I'm, I just got like the Apple One subscription where you can get like all these magazines uh, as part of the subscription. And man, like it's been nice to have that on planes because I've kind of gotten back into that routine yeah. Uh, because you know the bookstores went away, so mm -hmm. there was no way for me to go kind of peruse tech magazines and all that. Um, so with the advent of having that, like I can take magazines on the plane and you know scurry through what's kind of going on in the technological realm of things. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, I want to—I don't want to pass this up. So you mentioned yeah, yeah. AU, and I think for a lot of the members, there might could be a lot of people out there that uh, maybe not familiar with AU. So. 
maybe you want to touch on Autodesk University for this year and what's happening, where it's going to be? Sure, yeah. Um, so Autodesk University, uh, it will be taking place in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, <laughs> great. Yeah, back so Vegas. back to Vegas, um, you know, everyone can kind of make the jokes about Vegas, but in all reality, Vegas is built to handle large uh, conferences. Um, they can handle the influx. They have enough restaurants. And so besides the jokes of, you know, what happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas or whatever, the reality is it is one of very few cities that can host a user group of our size. Um, so what Autodesk University is, is basically it's a week of users coming together, a lot of Autodesk, uh, you know, tech folks there, a lot of expertise there. And there are sessions that are held not only by folks at Autodesk like myself, um, but also from the users, uh, from various companies and how they're using technology. You know, it, it, it goes from anywhere to, you know, showing new features on the new releases to some very basic stuff. It, it's kind of across the board. Um, uh, that's great. Yeah. And it's, it's, it really is a fun week. Um, man, it's, it's one of those weeks where, you know, kind of no matter how late you stayed up, like you kind of want to really get up and get to that session in the morning. Cause yeah. there's just a lot of, you know, gold information that you could be, you know, really taking in. Uh, it's such um, a good, such a good event, man. I just, yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. That's uh yeah, good information for all the members because I, I think there's a lot of folks that aren't familiar. I heard some people asking in Nashville, you know, what was AU all about and should they attend and all that kind of good stuff. So Yeah, and we're, myself and the, the utilities team, we're really working hard to build an even more bigger, like, utility. I don't know if presence is the right word, but, like, sessions and more learning points that are a little more bullseye towards utilities. Um and I wish I could talk a little bit more about what we're trying to do. Uh, right now, we're just counting time and dollars at the moment. But um, yeah, th that is our goal, is to really have a good substantial uh, utilities piece there with with help from our friends at Esri, um, with yeah. help from our friends at SBS. And not only to include substation, but distribution, generation, a lot of you know civil aspects of the jobs that entails all that um gis obviously being a big big contention of that and right. you know you and i always kind of make fun of the coin digital twin marketing phrase but you know yeah. how how does that <laughs> you know digital you know resemblance of what's actually happening in, in reality in the field you know being displayed how is it useful um yeah so again all that stuff at au and and again like when i used to go and i always encourage anybody to do this uh, you know, pick random things that aren't necessarily in line with what you do. Go to a, you know, go to a, a 3ds Max class and learn how they do, you know, animation. Um, yeah. Because it can, it can, it can spark, it can spark your brain to think about some other things you could be doing in your, you know, utility sector of the world. Ah, terrific yeah. advice, man. I mean, that's I think where the a lot of the early stuff we did in our tools around BIM, you know, came from just going into to see what the architects are up to, right? We kind of. Yeah, early on in like 2010 and stuff, we we just kind of figured that there had to be a lot going on in the architectural industry that we could use trying to get Inventor working with substations and stuff. It just went to a bunch of like Revit, you know, <laughs> see what yeah, see how they were doing content and all that stuff back then. Well, and a lot of our solutions kind of overlap in capability, you know, uh, yeah. you know yeah. the the finite element analysis of Nastran for Inventor. 
you know, uh, works kind of how robot structural analysis works for Reddit, you know, um, there you go. Um, so yeah, so again, you could just, yeah, I would encourage anybody, you know, if it's something you do, you know, definitely pick something that's out of the fold of what you do. You know? And again, if it's not working for you, you can always get up and slightly bow out. Nobody's going to count upon that. Well, and you know, a lot of the newer stuff, I mean, I get all, a lot of my kind of guidance for Forge now platform services and you know, all the API is going to, it's going to come up and release like they yeah. release a lot of information at AU that they don't, you know, put out on the web, but you can have those conversations and they are sharing a lot of, you know, pretty intimate details of what's coming out next, which is awesome. It, yeah, it really is. It's a good sneak peek kind of to, to get your hands on certain things. You know, we just released Forma about three weeks ago. Um, and I opened it up for the first time and it's, you know, definitely Andrew, our CEO, would refer to it as the baby software of our platform services. Uh, but it's it's the potential is so neat just from what I was playing around with. Mm. Um, you know, I I, lo- I really like where they're looking to head with this. And then industry is probably going to dictate a lot of that with me, you know, the work you you do, you know, the work SBS does, you know, how they can you know, integrate solutions into it as, as a platform piece. Um, mm. But it is, it is, it is a baby. Do you remember, cause you, you use Macintosh stuff. Um, yeah. Do you remember when OS 10 came out? Yep. 23 years ago, whatever it's been now. <laughs> like I can remember, I don't know what your opinion is, but I can remember opening up, looking at it and kind of going, Oh, wow. This oh, looks yeah. cool. I oh, like yeah. how this interface is, but it doesn't do much. <laughs> yeah it's kind of like those first compiled linux versions you could put on your machines and you couldn't get software for it yeah yeah i I loved how the menus interacted i liked the base of everything but at the time nobody built anything so <laughs> you know in my head i'm like this is going to be great at some yeah. point at know. some point yeah <laughs> um and and when i was playing around with forma some of the some of the key things that that it can do now and kind of where my head goes with what what could be, uh, it's it's a really neat, you know. Again, I always call it the platform of the future for design, hmm. uh, or maybe Autodesk says that or arrange the words, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it really it it's going to be really neat to see how you know solutions are developed on the platform for sure. Uh, that's cool. Okay, cool. We got to check that out. Yeah. So in that information there. Um, Maybe we should just touch on uh, the facts that you're our main key contact for Autodesk and you're in a supportive role at the SDSIC. You're always uh, communicating with the leadership team, kind of advising us what's coming up with Autodesk, answering questions. Uh, you you want to touch on that for kind of all the members out there? Yeah, you know, I mean, right. I, I you know, I, I try to pop into some committee meetings when I can these days just to kind of listen to what everyone's doing. Um you know, obviously, if you see me at a consortium, you know, feel free to introduce yourself. And, and that's for anybody, right? Like, again, the whole idea is to network. Um, it obviously, like, you know, Autodesk has customers we support there. But really, I'm 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 there to support the members however I can, whether it's just in my role at Autodesk or if it's just my experience that I've had through utilities. Uh, and, and again, that's I would like to just say that. You know, simply put, that's just when I'm there. I'd, I'd like to just be there as a resource. But I'll be honest with you, Trevor, like, you know, luckily last, uh, just this trip in Nashville, I didn't have a whole lot of presentation obligations. And it was really just nice to just sit and listen to some of the great work folks are doing. Yeah, nice. Um, and, you know, 
my schedule gets tighter and tighter. I feel like every year, but I really try to make a point to just listen to some of the great work a lot of people are doing out there. Um, a lot of it's just very, very impressive, and very insightful. But mm, awesome. yeah, I mean, I hope I answered your question. I mean, again, just you know, yeah. no, I think it's important for the members just to just understand your role and and not you know sending you emails about support issues or stuff like that. It's it's really more of a strategic role. Yeah. Yeah. Communicating and kind of guiding, help guide as, as folks are, you know, looking at implementation, any type of innovation coming up, right. It's just important to know, um, kind of what your contact is for us and not to send you emails about, you know, inventor crashing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I, right. I can't answer all the questions. No, I mean, you could, but I mean, you have a whole support system for that. It's not exactly all. Right, right. No, and I'm happy to have those, you know, thought discussions. And I love like when people show me the work they're doing. You know, right. um, I, I really enjoy that. That's some of my favorite stuff. Like when somebody opens up some design and says, "Hey, can I just show you what I'm doing for a couple of minutes?" Yeah, you know, absolutely. And yeah, yeah. You know, well, that, that's your chance yeah. to like say, "Hey, that's awesome. I love what you're doing." Yeah. Did you know about this format tool or some new? Right. That you could it could do this or it could help you with that. Like that's kind of the bond that I see between your role and the community. Yeah. Not so much the, uh, you know, software crashes, what kind of hardware should I have? I know you can answer those, but you don't need 50 emails about that. It's more, as I said, to see what folks are doing, let them share with you and say, Hey, you know, I'm using inventor for this vault for that. And would you see something more strategic maybe? Yeah. And, you know, from a vendor perspective, like I just, you know, I, I try to respect, everyone's time and what their goals are there, you know? So I generally, unless I've known you for a long, long time, like, you know, I, I generally just don't poke at people all that much. And it's not, again, not me being rude. It's just, you know, people go there to say, Hey, I want to learn, you know, about how to get into the intelligent design, or maybe I'm doing it and I need, you know, just some help or some insight. Um, so I generally, again, I just kind of wait for people to approach me, uh, just cause I, you know, again, just respectfully don't know what everyone's goals are there. And there are some people that are just like, Hey, I know you're going to be at SDSIC, Jack, can we take 30 minutes and have a chat? And, and that's perfectly okay too. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you know, but yeah, like I generally won't, you know, I, I won't kind of bother people. I'll just, I'll let people come to me again. If I've known you for a while, then that's, you know, kind of different. Um, but Again, and again, just kind of respecting those boundaries that the SCSIC has created uh, as a learning environment, you know, for people to just come and and get what they need from it. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, and that's the you know, very reason for this podcast is to gain an understanding of, you know, what I would say kind of the, the leadership community that we started with. So we're starting at, at a high level and getting folks like yourself that have been with us so long, Arnold Fry and Michael Goins, just so folks can kind of get their orientation around who's who and who they can ask for help and, and what their roles are. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of hoping to get a lot more of those conversations going and, you know, people won't be so shy. They go, oh, I, kn- I know Jack's kind of strategic. I could send him a question about what we're trying to do and, and see what he has to say. Uh, not so much to get a free trial of something, but. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I don't do licensing, um, but. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I want to do that. But Yeah. You know, and it is neat. You know, I know Jeremy Morton, um, again, another just privilege to know this guy, um, you know, part of the SCSIC. You know, he mentioned just watching people grow. And, you know, he's he's so right about that. I've, I've certainly have seen it with people that, 
you know, our, our introverts that, you know, have kind of helped them come out of their shell a little bit, you know, and again, Jeremy Morton met him at an evening event at AU. You know, I, I reckon I recognized his presentation, um, that he did in one of the sessions. And I just walked up and said, Hey, you know, I'm Jack Hobson working at Amron. And, you know, that's how I got to know Jeremy. Like, again, I just walked up and, you know, I know it's, it's hard to just do that for some people. Um, but you sure. Try to just do that, you know, meet, meet people and, and you'll, you, you know, trade numbers, text, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And uh, can't, can't give Jeremy enough uh, kudos for everything he's done and, and leading the community early on and continuing to grow. I've been trying to get him together to uh, kind of get a podcast going around 3D technology and yeah, maybe just a general podcast oh, episode yeah. around CAD, right? Try to get yourself, Jeremy, Steve Kaufman, Josh, you know, try to get that group back on a podcast soon. Yeah, I did see that email. Yeah, I think, it, you know, that could be fun. Yeah, we need a series in that, but we'll <laughs> we'll see yeah. where we can take it for sure. But Zach, let's, um, let's switch gears a little bit, man. I wanted to dig a little deeper just in Autodesk, so knowing you're our key contact. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, we're all excited about AI. Uh, you can't go to LinkedIn, uh, even Instagram or anything these days. It seems to be having a, an iPhone moment for AI is what I like to call it, right? It's just been everywhere all of a sudden. And Autodesk, there's got to be a lot of exciting things going on around AI. You know, yeah, I mean, it's it's the buzz, you know, just mm-hmm. I think in public in general with, with chat, GBT, and everything. Crazy, crazy. Uh, yeah, and, you know, obviously it's some, you know, yeah, there's a lot of heavy talk, a lot of heavy how we're going to utilize this. You know, I know... A lot of people, you know, LinkedIn have said, oh, I did this chat GPT thing with Inventor. I've been seeing some of these things pop up here and there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, as any technology company, I, you know, that's the big chat and the big talk. Um, but I think it is exciting, you know, in, in a few ways of, of, you know, what what is capable. You know, I mean, I, I don't know, like, let's just daydream for a second. You know, uh, if if you told some sort of AI program, like, Hey, you know, I need to build, you know, a two unit 34, four KV substation. So we'll just use utilities for the example. Yeah. If you can give that AI, like the plot of land you purchased, you know, maybe it can give you, you know, again, like 30 different configurable designs, just like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. if it, if it has learning machine capability from all your standards and everything you, you, can do and all that can be configured and it can learn that mm-hmm. um you know again like being able to execute the most optimal like design is really interesting to mm-hmm. um and like you know we do generative design with fusion you know there's right. a lot to that as well just like what materials can be used right you know the imagination is the limit i'll be honest with you trevor i tend to focus on <laughs> for better or worse the the the, the bad stuff <laughs> um well, it, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, and I hope I'm wrong. I so hope I'm wrong. I I just think we're in for a reckoning, as a good friend of mine would quote it. Um, I mean, some of just the deep fake capabilities oh, man. is scary. I mean, yeah. it is it is scary. Uh, you know, if you have any type of image that's been on the internet for any length of time in multiple places, like the crazy stuff people can put together. Um, is is slightly frightening right uh my worry is uh because you have all this potential you have all this great things you could do with it but unfortunately there's just a lot of bad people in the world right and 
you know, I know it's it's like a catchy thing on LinkedIn to, to do the tech observation of of AI or whatever and talk about the possibilities. But I I don't know. I don't feel like we're talking about, you know, the how we should be approaching this cautiously. Mm. Um, if yeah, I mean, what, what do you think about that? No, I think, yeah, I mean, you start all those fake videos, you know, I, the ones that really hit me are the fake Tom Cruise, you know, they put his oh, yeah. face on the video and it looks so real and you just need to act a little bit like him with the mix of AI and it, it's so convincing. And I, I think a lot of people know that now, but he, I think you're going to get to the point where, you know, something really important needs to be said and we don't believe it because it's, yeah. well, it's AI, you know, fake news. is <laughs> Right. Yeah. And. And and I know like history has this story to everything that's ever come out, right? Like when the internet really hit to the public, I mean, you know, like we could never define the possibilities. I don't think fifteen or twenty years into the making, no, um, the good and the bad stuff, right? Right. Um, same thing with the phones, man. Like I, I use this quote: "Like I couldn't hail an Uber ten years ago," you know. <laughs> um, but a lot of a lot of bad stuff has has happened from that too. And now we're amplifying that ability, you know, by a crazy multiplier. Yeah. It's going to be like a, another level of like cyberbullying and stuff going on that, you know, you just, you can't erase. It's just going to just well, take off. And, and again, like I, I generally approach, you know, technology, you know, as a, what can I do with this, you know, approach, yeah. but I try anything I, I, anything that's new, anything I read, like I always look through it through critical lenses. Um, I think if I had the biggest fear, to be honest with you, is somebody is going to do something really bad. And this sounds extreme, Trevor, but I think like the government will just slam the brakes on it so hard mm. that all the good that could come of it will hit a big pause for like a number of years so they could figure it out. Mm. Um, and people will say, Jack, that's extreme. Well, I mean, Again, I hope on the first person to say, man, I was wrong on that. It's just, and the government can do it. Like, well, you take 9-11, for example, man, they, they yeah. grounded all the planes in 45 minutes. Yep, done. You know, COVID, like you're all stuck at home. Like we're we're putting yeah. all these restrictions in place. So, yeah. you know, I, yeah, yeah. It yeah. took no time at all to, to shut everything down, man. And so like, yeah. I again, man, like not, not to take this on a bad turn or anything, but it is something people should look through objective eyes with, which is, yeah. uh, you know, again, like I hope uh, I'm the first person to say I'm so happy I was wrong on that. But my worry is somebody is going to do something really bad with it. And the government's just not going to know what to do other than just, all right, anybody who's doing any AI development or AI services, you're to cease immediately. Right. Well, I, you know, I, I've never seen a technology this powerful so quickly. It just... So, you, you know, I've been doing a lot of open AI stuff, yeah. working with like the segment anything model with point clouds and all this stuff. But the open AI and training it with some documents and things, what it is capable of kind of blows you away. Like I've never written so little code yeah, and then had to do something. They just kind of walk away from your computer going, oh my God. <laughs> like, Did you? This yeah. is scary. It, it is. Did you hear about, and I'm not doing the story justice, but- uh, somebody had had chat GPT, uh, try to write something in Python yep. and it, it, it gave, right. And maybe, you know, the story, but it gave it like uh, a set of, of, uh, rules. Like it couldn't tell anybody it was, uh, you know, yeah. a, basically a robot. Right. 
So apparently it, it went to a board somewhere to ask Python questions. And the person on the other end was like, you know, is this a real person? Am I talking to a robot? And the, the AI program was like, yeah, this, no, I'm a real person. Yeah. And then it said, well, you know, can I see you? And it said, I'm blind. I can't use a monitor or some, something to the effect where it justified, again, I'm probably not doing the story justice, oh, but yeah. it, it justified lying within the parameters it was given to do this objective. Right. Right. Well, and now I'm seeing like, yeah, not scary. That's so, yeah, I mean, scary. that's, yeah. I mean, again, it, it again, a justified lying to stay within the parameters of, you know, whatever that programmer defined it should do to build this Python code. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, I've been, so I've, I've been using the Microsoft Copilot application with the, in, it's within Visual Studio code. And, you know, there's the side of it where you think a little bit of AI to augment kind of the strenuous part of your job. And, yeah. you know, being a coder, you just you could write comments in Copilot. Just say you know I need a function that can calculate the math of you know Celsius to Fahrenheit or some thing, and it'll spit it out. Beautiful JavaScript, everything. Which it's not going to take your job. It doesn't take the creativity, but it's augmenting the issue of going through and checking those stupid little functions. <laughs> where yeah, or you know, like even last year, you're basically on Google, and if you forget a certain function, you go searching on Google fifty. Pages later, you finally find something that doesn't have ads and you know viruses, and and you find one little piece of code and you cut and paste it. Well, now you yeah. have to write a comment, and tell the AI what you want, and it creates this nice little function. So it kind of you get back to being the creative part, and it can take care of these nice little clean functions that you can't, you know, you don't even want to spend your time thinking about them really. So it's yeah, just, is that part of it? But then yeah, how far is it going to go? Yeah, I think you make a great point there. And, you know, again, like, <laughs> disagree with me. We could debate. I'm happy to do it. But nothing to take away from the work people are doing. But ideally, like programming and software and technology is meant to take the grunt work out uh-huh. of things in order to get certain things solved. Right. Um, you know, I mean, again, like to put it in a very simplistic form, like that's what your calculator is, right? Like, you know, like it does these math, math things. So you don't have to write it all down on paper or, you know, it does it digitally. I mean, again, very simplistic thing, but yeah, I mean, but as we've, as software has developed, like it's doing all, you know, again, not to take away from any work anyone's done in the last 50 years, but it takes the grunt work out of things people don't want to do. Uh, For sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, you take a, a model and inventor, like I'm not drawing prints anymore. Like it just creates the print for me, you know? Well, and like you said, right, you go to generative design, like it can spit out 500 iterations and give you the lightest weight model, like fusion and all that. I mean, that's great. Just saving yeah. the grunt work of trying to change each parameter and, and to go through it and do the recalculation and find an element analysis. Right? It's amazing what it could do. I, yeah. I mean, you know, I, again, you could, your imagination can run wild with a program that, can execute, you know, a set of parameters, you know, and, and again, I'm spitballing here like crazy for anyone who's listening, but <laughs> you know, like, you know, what if I put this poll standard in, in this area, you know, at this time of year, you know, like what variables should I consider, you know, whatever, like, mm-hmm. you know, again, just, you know, whatever your brain tries to put together to execute a solution, it could answer those questions really fast if it has the the, the background data and the learning machine to do that. Um, 
you know, case in point, my friend like popped in, like to chat GBT, planned me like a, a three day vacation in St. Louis. And, you know, it, it kicked out all these things. Some of them were outdated because it's yeah. operating on like old internet. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you don't want to take a walk around certain parts of town right now. <laughs> well, it can't see. So I guess it won't have a problem. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, so it is. So yeah, there's a lot of neat, neat opportunity. Um, again, as I look at trying to, you know, as a dramatic phrase to to put out there, which is like rebuilding our infrastructure, our deteriorating infrastructure. Mm-hmm. But it is the truth. The stuff's been, you know, built for the last 50, 60 years. And, yeah. um, you know, to, to quote our CEO, you know, there's just not enough money and enough people to get these things done and the amount of time we need to get it done. So what, what fills the gap technology, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I can tell you just from the coding side, the co-pilot, I mean, I, I don't know what level of productivity that adds, but it's definitely doubled my productivity on the coding side already. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I've got, I've got a friend using chat GPT and in, in certain little nuggets of her job and oh. she's really loving it. Yeah. <laughs> It takes a lot of that mundane stuff out of there, right? You go like, oh, I need a function to do this. I know I wrote one, you know, six years ago. Oh, what the hell did I do? And you could either look through all your documents and try to find it. You could search on Google or just ask Copilot and boom, it spits it out. Yeah. And for those of us who have not been formal, tra- you know, trained in coding, but we kind of know what end objective we want, those types of things will will help do all that in the background, you know? Yeah. Um, so visionaries that might not have the technical skill set, but yet the vision. There you go. Though you know these types of technologies might be able to help, you know, make that a realization of what they have envisioned in their head. Um, yeah. That's a very starry-eyed statement, but no, yeah, I mean that's kind of where I see. No, it. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with that. I think it's there's a lot to be said for removing the creativity part of you know, or not removing it, but augmenting it. And giving some people the power, not having to go through and learn JavaScript first and then yeah. start creating an app or creating a website. It's just, <laughs> let's remove that little part and allow it to put all the little nuts and bolts together. You can focus on the whole assembly, right? Say, like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, there will be certain occupations that will not be needed or in need of transition. Um, we've seen this throughout history, of course. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, and again, like you, you won't know until it happens, kind of a thing. But right. um, generally, again, there's way more work that needs to be done, you know, than yeah. any technology can check the box on. Uh, <laughs> you know, who knows? Six years from now, I could be so wrong in that statement. Who knows? But yeah, um, fun. We can look back. Yeah. And we'll do another podcast six years from now. <laughs> that, that's right, man, Jack. Like, no more people are needed, and literally. <laughs> Yeah, you know, machines and software, you just check boxes on what you want done and it's just doing it. <laughs> Oops, sorry, Trevor. That was Oops. wrong. We missed it. Yep. That was wrong. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. It could be. Well, hey, man, so let's, um, before we close it out, I like to ask the question just on books and things. I know you read a lot. You know, you're always coming up with new things. Could you uh, maybe recommend a couple of books for the readers or for the listeners out there? Sure. Um, you know, I go through spurts of, of reading books. I get burnt out. And yeah. um, like I said, I, I tend to dwell on magazines a lot more for my reading material. But 
and I'm always hesitant to recommend books, but um, one of the things that inspires me are people that came from nothing and became something or was handed like, you know, this mess and fixed it. Right. I mean, everyone goes like to Steve Jobs is everyone's favorite, you know, kind of inspirational leader. You and I, you know, talk, talk about some of his methodologies and he's certainly on that list. Like I read his biography. He took a crumbling company. He brought it back to life. Um, Mm -hmm. But his biography is good. I'll tell you who else, man, like Lee Iacocca. Um, Mm. So for, for the younger folks that don't know that name, uh, he was uh, a major car exec uh, in the sixties and seventies for Ford. He got ousted kind of like Steve Jobs did from Apple originally. Um, and Chrysler at the time in the late seventies was this crumbling car company and they gave him the opportunity to, to come and, and try to fix it. Uh, and he, he came in and he turned it around big time. Um, yeah. but to, to read kind of some of his approaches and, and, you know, maybe some of it's a little outdated maybe, but it's still good leadership reading material. I liked that. Um, he's also got another book called where have all the leaders gone? Right. He's since passed away, but, uh, that was another book I liked. Um, okay. And then there, one of my other favorite books is uh, a book called uh, Leadership by Design uh, by uh, the author's name, I believe, is Maria Judice, uh, who was actually an Autodesk employee for a while. Oh. Um, yeah, so she wrote a book, Leadership by Design. Uh, that's a really, yeah. If there is like a book, like if somebody asks me for a recommendation, that's generally the one I pull. Uh, but yeah, I, I like people who, you know, fix something or were flying blind. Uh, I, I love those times. I love those types of people, you know, uh, you know, uh, there's a guy named Stacy Peralta who was one of the founding members of, uh, Pal Peralta, which is a skateboard company. Mm. Um, but he went from being a professional skateboarder to like a marketing business guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to, and he was flying blind. He was young. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of like video segments of him talking about his career on YouTube. Um, okay. you know, and I used to be a skateboarder in my youth. So like, it's, it's an industry parallel for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, like he'll, this is one of his favorite quotes that I'm, I'm ad living here. Uh, he said like, yeah, he goes, we just did anything we wanted to because there's no one around to tell us we couldn't. <laughs> yeah like a lot of little uh young startups right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um but yeah i you know again those you know my my book reading is in spurts i i wish i could say i was one of those people who read a book every week or two i i'm just not one of those guys no. uh, yeah. but when i do read one you know i i look again i read i read things with critical eyes i really do because it's always everyone loves to just chalk it up about like oh this book was so great this book was so great <laughs> um and usually I ask the questions what book have you read lately that you didn't like yeah, you know you <laughs> like what what book did you spend a week or two reading and you were like man i wish i could have that time back yeah uh because people just hate to admit that they wasted time yeah <laughs> oh know? yeah so, yeah and there's yeah. a lot of them right i mean yeah that yeah yeah well, dude, you would love, uh, there's a podcast, uh, I don't know if you listen to Guy Raz. Guy. Uh, I'm not familiar, no. Oh, R-A-Z. It's uh, How I Built This. Okay. But, yeah, it's a great podcast. Like, he's got a whole, I don't know, he must have hundreds of them by now, but it is literally all about entrepreneurs that went from the zero to something. And, you know, he has a couple of, you know, folks that have several companies and he'll interview them, but 
some of the best stories, man. It's the guy at the zero making cookies in his kitchen and ends up being this, you know, marketing protein bar, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you can literally pick out the episodes based on the companies and some you'll recognize, some you don't. But they're really interesting podcasts to listen to. Like you said, man, people that went from nothing or had to rescue the startup five times over, you know. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's those are the those are the ones that interest me anyway. Nothing against you know any other successful business person in the history of yeah. forever, but um, but yeah, those those are the ones that interested me most. But yeah, no, I, I like that because you know podcast. Some someone famously said is like the new AM radio. Um, <laughs> so, there you go. It's a, but it's useful. I could download it, listen to the plane, whatever. So like much like people do with this power up one. So yeah, no, thanks for recommending that. I'll check that one out. Yeah, no, I think you like it, man. Just based on what you said, I think uh, we have a very similar background, right? Going from nothing to achieving something, and some of those stories are just very uh, inspiring to listen to. Yeah, yeah, I, I love reading about people. I'm not much into you know reading any other types of books other than biographies or you know business strategy. I mean, I like a good story. Don't tell me, don't don't you know get me wrong. I just tend to like to watch those more than read about them. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, Jack, thanks so much for being on, buddy. Um, yeah, thanks for yeah. having me, man. I hope I didn't go on no. for too long, but no, dude, we could do another three hours. But listen, yeah. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you back on because I really like to do the CAD one. And uh, yeah. Michael Goins is actually talking about an AI one, so we'll get you on for oh. that too to give us some perspectives from uh, the Autodesk side and just some of your thoughts. I think it'd be a good debate. Yeah, still stuff I'm learning. You know, again, it's a new thing. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's just hope it's not part of that Gartner hype cycle. And I and I get I reiterate I hope I'm so wrong on some of those thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I really do. Well, hey man, we really appreciate you, dude. For the on behalf of the whole community, uh, yeah. thanks for being the point of contact for Autodesk and and helping everybody on that side of things. There's so much going on, hard to keep track. No, it's absolutely my pleasure, Trevor. Thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for this. It's great. Yeah, man. See you soon. All right, take care, Trevor. Thank you for listening to the Power Up Podcast today. If you enjoyed this conversation and you're not yet a member of the SDSIC, join for free at sdsconsortium.com. Be part of the community and all these great conversations. And maybe you'll be the next guest on the Power Up Podcast. <laughs>